Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Matilda Tavanian, the host of Coffee with Matilda, A Journey to Self. And today I'm with John Freeman again for another session of Relationship Secrets. John, hello. Hello, Matilda. How's everything? How's, how's UK today? How's where you are? Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's where I am. And UK is, is warm and pleasant today. And as long as we don't talk about government, we'll be fine. <laughs> You know, in America, it's a very hot topic right now as well because of the election. So I hope everyone will go on board. So, and I think I'll be back to America by that time as well. So I will vote for sure. It's a critical election this time. <laughs> it certainly is. And yeah, um, yeah, I, I think some of what's happening over there, it looks it looks scary to me. And a lot of what's happening doesn't look like you can even be sure of there being a democratic uh, process that really functions. So it's going to be interesting and possibly not in a good way. <laughs> Disaster. Well, today's topic is about neediness in a relationship. And I think it's a very critical topic because... I think all of us at one point in our lives experienced that neediness. And now we're going to explain why it comes and exactly what it is. Um, but I feel like listeners can benefit from this a lot because it can be the, the, the tips and what you're going to explain now is going to be very beneficial because we have relationship with I mean, our lives is based on relationships. We have relationship with a romantic partner, with our um, parents, with our children. Children, I think parents can benefit from this as well because there's a sense of neediness from a parent that clings to that child and creates that child's life miserable and <laughs> affects that child's life in a bad way uh, when he or she grows up. Also, you know, in a romantic relationship, it becomes a problematic as well. I've done it, um, you know, especially in the younger times of my life. When I was my early 20s, I was like this needy person crying when they wanted to break, me up, break up with me. I would say, oh, my God, I'm, my life is ending. <laughs> so it's been funny to look at it back and I'm looking at my life process and I'm learning, oh, a lot of this neediness happened for, you know, lots of lacks I had in my character and, you know, maturity as well. So let's take on, let's see what is your take on and uh, how do you even describe neediness? Because that, that needs to be clarified for our listeners. Okay, <clears throat> good place to start. So for me, there are certain things that people need from other people and that's not neediness. That's just kind of, that's the ebb and flow of life. And there's nothing uh, about that that's a, a, a problem. You can have a conversation about, well, I need this and you need this. And we, um, you know, you, you come to some kind of arrangement as to how that works. Neediness for me is something different because neediness is when a person has a feeling inside 
that is rooted somewhere in a lack. So it would be a lack in me. And I, I can certainly remember just as, as you've described, you know, times in, in my uh, earlier years when that was very much a reality for me in how I felt about a relationship and what I expected. And the problem with that is that it creates a situation where somehow you're expecting somebody else to fix something that is in you when it's actually it, it's your issue to deal with and it, it it really boils down to the fact that when you have that kind of issue nobody can fix it so it's like a, it's like a bucket with a hole in it you know it doesn't matter how much people pour into that needy bucket it is still always not going to have enough and the only person ultimately who can plug the hole in the bucket is is the person themselves mm. well, maybe if you give us like an example we can understand exactly what you mean because okay i understand people need each other in certain ways and certain need in, neediness is okay but then some sort some other neediness is not okay no yes so it's this this sense of lack and there are lots and lots of different dimensions to that. So, you know, we, we can talk about all sorts of flavors of this. So let's start with one dimension is when there's a fundamental feeling that is actually very deep rooted in the body often. Um, I mean, if we talk about relationships that set up this neediness and, and how we are with parents, then there are early stages of our development that can create that sense of, of lack and loss. And that can be quite, uh, quite a task to rectify. It is rectifiable. There's lots of ways of, of working with it. So maybe for once I'm, uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the, the stages of spiral dynamics as it relates to how individuals develop. So the earliest stage of your development is when you're a, a helpless infant. Mm. And that's the stage that we kind of, we give the color mnemonic to the, that it's called the beige stage. And in beige, there's nothing that an infant can do for itself. This, this is the point where you just have to, as a parent, you have to be taking care of the infant. You have to be uh, feeding it and cleaning it and making sure it's warm but you also have to be giving it cuddles. You have to hold it. You have to hold the child because there's a very fundamental sense of nourishment and safety mm -hmm. that I can survive in the world because I'm being taken care of. So at that stage, if you have a parent who is distant, who doesn't hold the child, who uh, kind of creates an underlying sense of abandonment, that can sit very deeply in the body and it can be quite difficult for anyone else in later life to meet that need. So that's the first stage at which that kind of issue can happen. Then the second stage of uh, 
our, our early development, which we call purple, is at the point where the child is no longer helpless, but we're talking about kind of one, two years of age, when you're beginning to form a more active relationship and where how you feel with your parents and maybe with your wider family is, this is my tribe. These are the people in whom I am rooted. I am them and they are me. There's, there's not a lot of separation between us as very small kind of early toddling pre-verbal infants and those who are around us. And so if we don't bond with other people at that deep level, that also can create a sense of some kind of deficit. And we also look for that to be fulfilled later on. Oh, wow. It's interesting. So it's like if you see your parents are not giving you a lot of love or you're not respect, you feel like you're not respect. I mean, I don't know if you understand if you're respected or not, but if you're, if, yeah, if they don't pay attention to you, then you will find later on in your adult life, you will constantly look at people to pay you attention. Yes. Respect tends to turn up later, and we can maybe get to that uh, at some point. But this, the, but this is not happening in the conscious mind. This is happening very deep in... Uh, I mean, this, this is the, the world in which uh, even, you know, the, the brainwave rhythms that children operate at, it's, at a, it's a, at a deep level that is only partly conscious. It's sort of between sleeping and dreaming and early wakeness. And so what's, what's happening is a much more... Um, magical process in a way it's uh, it's recognizing just you children you watch look at children when they're at this age and they spend a lot of time they're just watching and they're taking in they're like sponges and if this is before they have much language they have no way of articulating what they see but it is very clear from experiments that have been done with children of, of that age, that they are drawing conclusions about their world. They're seeing what's happening and they will decide, they'll, they'll see something that's happened and somewhere they know that what somebody is doing is somehow not fair. They have, and they couldn't say this is not fair. They don't even have a concept of what that is, but they have a very deep visceral sense of it. Oh, wow. So all of these processes that go on when we're that little, we're finding something about what's my place in the world and who am I in terms of my relationship with the people around me and also the relationship with my, my environment. This is the point in your life when you quite likely lay, out, lay down a relationship with place somewhere that you just feel like this is home. So for me, this is home has to do with greenery and typically with hills and sort of it's not a flat country. It's, and 
if I go to other places which have that characteristic, it feels like home to me. But I spent two, two years of my life in Arizona, which is flat and it's desert and it's cactuses and it's not green at all. <clears throat> and I didn't feel like I was at home, excuse me. <clears throat> and I noticed when I came back to England and was suddenly back in a green environment, it was like I, I just wanted to suck it in. So we have these things quite laid down quite deep in us. And they are part of what we need in order to feel nourished. So I'm kind of going a long way off the topic of needish, of what we need from relationships. But this sense of being nourished just by virtue of I am alive, I am loved, I am embedded in my family and my people, and I have a security that is deep within me that comes from that. And when those bonds are damaged, that reflects in how we behave in our relationships. I mean, these are very critical years. So these critical years are till like seven years old, nine years old. What, what age do you think? Um, what's <clears throat> so the, the, yeah, the nature of what is critical changes. Um, so the beige and purple stages are, they're, they're kind of losing, they're not so dominant after about age three. <clears throat> the next stage that people get into is, is red, and that is when you establish, I mean, this, is, this is when you know that children are kind of discovering who am I as an individual, because they start saying those kind of interesting words like no and mine and um there's a sense of um i am <clears throat> excuse me i'm discovering and claiming who i am as an individual in the world and what my identity is so in order to do that you have to have the strength of your roots because otherwise you'll be sort of insecure in claiming who you are but equally, you have to have a certain kind of space in order to become that person, that person that you are choosing to be and developing yourself as. So if you have parents who squash you at that age, that can limit the, your potential to be a fully actualized, confident, self-expressing, assertive human being. Oh, wow. So yes, there is a lot happening and that, that's, sorry, say that again. The parents have a very difficult job. I mean, they have to make sure like, you know, also they have to understand what this uh, baby's character is. You know, everyone has a character, I'm assuming. Obviously I don't have a child, so I don't, I'm very far from this world. But I'm imagining you have to first realize what is, what are the needs of this child? Every child, maybe the needs are different, no? Uh, yes, uh, every, certainly every child is, is different. And so a lot of what has to happen, it does require you as a parent to be kind of instinctively responding and listening and being in the relationship. But the patterns that come from the stages of development, I mean, the, the, I, I have a book about this. So, um, you know, this is something that 
people can uh, easily get to understand more of because I call the book seven stage parenting because at each stage you have to be a different kind of parent yeah so that that's what's sort of underneath this developmental process and the way that we develop and the impacts of our of the limitations on our development they ripple up through all sorts of other aspects of our lives <clears throat> and you know there are ways that you you can work with that if you recognize that you have an issue to deal with mm-hmm. but when it when it becomes really strong and you you kind of operate from a place where you expect that somebody else in present time is going to fix a deficit that actually occurred you know 10 20 30 years ago that is when it gets difficult because it's not it's not something that somebody else can do and it reduces the quality of the relationship that you can have and it's, it works equally the other way if some if somebody else is expecting you to fulfill their needs and they are you know the bucket with the hole in it that's always going to be a drain and what your idea is looking for is where two people come together who actually are kind of strong in themselves and they come together from the desire to be more than that so you're you're getting the one and one is two or possibly more than two rather than coming together as well you know three quarters and three quarters and we'll make a kind of a bit of a mess of trying to be one and a half and so this is why neediness is something to be really aware of because the upside of it you know i'm i'm talking about all the kind of the negative impacts this can have on a relationship but the benefit of it is that when you notice that this is what you're doing you have an opportunity to get in touch with what is that and to look at how you deal with that in yourself and it's an opportunity for growth and this is it's one of the big opportunities for growth that happens inside relationship well very very interesting. I have to, now I have to, I would like to actually read the book. I mean, I don't have a child, but I feel like any parents need to realize that they have a very, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if everyone's aware of it, but they need to realize that they have a very big uh, responsibility. Okay. It's fun maybe to bring a child to the world, but then you need to take care of this child, not only the physical needs, their emotional needs has to be taken care of in such a um, gentle way that it's not going to affect this child when they're in their 20s and 30s and 40s, sometimes carry it till their 70s and 80s. That's, so that's how yes. the character <clears throat> is. It, it, it is. I mean, what you're saying is, is right, but I don't want to kind of put people into into a state of kind of fear and paralysis around whether they're doing the right thing with their child because fortunately the process is a very forgiving one and you do get a chance as you go through to adjust and to you know to 
to fix things as as they go it, it it's it's when it gets to kind of quite strong maybe not totally extreme but when when people have just missed fundamental things about the process and they continue to do that over a long period and when they don't notice that the effect that are, is being uh, created with the child that something is going wrong and that if that you have to look at it as what is my part in what's going wrong and not just think that it's the child's fault you know there if you take the attitude of oh i can see that this isn't working and what could i be doing better that would you know that that would help us shift this if you have that attitude then you always have the problem the, the the opportunity to as a parent to adjust and to fix and to make things better i mean most children do end up you know loving their parents and most end up in reasonably healthy relationships i mean there are always tensions and you know there are things that people disagree about but that that also is is life but it's not a it's not necessarily a fundamental problem so you know i wouldn't want people to stop having children yeah having, you know. yeah but i was like oh khalas i don't want to it's too much work it's a lot of responsibility you're ruining someone else's life and like oh no forget it but now now it's good to know it's a forgiving process <laughs> yeah and of course it is a lot of work um, but but everybody i think everybody kind of knows that or well there are maybe some people are a bit naive about it but yes you know with with bringing up children or with with choosing to have children you know that that's going to demand a lot of you but you also know that the fulfillment is something that is unlike anything that you will get elsewhere and it's you know it it's not i'm not saying that everybody should become a parent either you know it's a choice mm-hmm. but there there's there's rewards and and um a lot of people get huge amount of uh nourishment from from being parents also um another you were explaining I'm like what if um the parents are showing a lot of attention so this child would like to have like some sort of a freedom there's a need for freedom or there's a need from you know coming out of that cocoon is that possible or no yeah. oh uh, it's uh, it's a it's a wonderful balancing process <clears throat> so there's how- a cartoon i'm uh-huh. there's a cartoon i'm quite fond of which has four frames in it and in the first three frames you can see that there are three people present and it's a grandma a mother and a young daughter young adult daughter who's got she's got an infant sitting on her lap and in the first frame grandma is saying my parents were really very close and they kept me smothered and i was determined that i wouldn't be like that with my child and then in the second frame the mother is saying I really felt like 
you weren't close enough. I felt abandoned. I felt neglected. I wanted more warmth from you. Oh, wow. So I decided that I was going to give my daughter much more warmth and closeness. And then in the third frame, you've got the adult daughter and she's saying, gee, mom, sometimes I just wish you'd give me a little space. It's just too much. It's too suffocating. I can't handle it. And in the fourth frame, you see the infant and the infant is screaming. <laughs> because, <laughs> because this is an, well, because this is, this is a balancing process that people, you know, people respond to what happened with them and they maybe decide they're going to be different or they may decide they're going to be exactly the same. But they come into the process of a, the relationship with the child with a kind of precondition. Yeah. I've decided how I'm going to be. Whereas what actually needs to happen like with any relationship is that you meet the person where they are so some children naturally want lots of cuddles and some children naturally don't want so and they'll they'll kind of you know they'll they'll do this when they're feeling like they're constrained so in any relationship you have to be looking at what's the response i'm getting from this other person to the way that i have chosen to be Oh, wow, it's a lot of uh, uh, figuring out the dimensions. <laughs> yeah, well, feeling the balance. All of life is about balances. You know, the, the, there's everywhere you look, you can find, you know, what's good for me as an individual, what's good for us as a society, what's good for us as a pair in dynamic. Where do I, where do I choose to give up a little bit of what I want in order to have what, what's, would be really nice for us to have together. You know, we're always playing with these balances because that's just the nature of existence. It's interesting one point you just said, like you have to, like parents, they start parenting with preconditions saying, oh, um, we're gonna, I'm gonna be less of this, more of this because of their previous experiences. But how amazing it is that for us to not be needy in life, needy with our partners or parents or anything, any, in any relationship, we need to realize we cannot just decide before that. We need to go and then test the waters and see the boundaries of the other person, boundaries of myself and see how we, you can manage it. But lots of people don't have that, that outlook about it. They don't, they don't have that sensitivity, that flexibility, you know, they just go and they say, this is me. And if it's not going to work out, I'm going to come out or this is how I like to talk with my parents or this is how I like to, you know, operate my business for example they don't um they don't have that gentleness i can say to um to understand okay their needs matter but they have to realize them being in a relationship with this other human being there is a there's a new need as well so you need to understand where this is where the balance is 
And nobody's yeah. teaching us to learn how to balance things. Isn't that fascinating? I never took any class that teaches me this essence to know how to talk with people, when to talk, be more firm with someone, less firm with someone else. You know, I don't know how you learn these techniques. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is astonishing that, that with all the things that we're taught and with all that is now known about how important, how, how important emotional intelligence is to people's successful functioning in life, that we don't teach emotional intelligence just as we don't teach parenting, even though parenting is probably one of the most impactful things you can do for another human being. Nobody is taught that. And there's just an expectation that you will kind of pick it up as you go along. And of course, there's an awful lot that you do pick up as you go along. You learn, you learn when you're in the playground that if, if you hit people, they'll hit you back. Or you learn if you steal somebody's toy that they're likely to get very upset and, and that that's going to result in an argument. So there's a huge amount of our relationship process that we just learn because we do things, we see what happens and we're pattern sensing, meaning making animals. And we, uh, we, we do that. We recognize what's going on. But life is more complex now than it ever has been. You know, the world that people lived in two, three hundred years ago was much more simple. It didn't change much. What they were born into was probably not going to be very different than the world that they would die in 70 or 80 years later if they were lucky enough to live so long. Because the pace of change was, was like that. Our world is different. Our expectations are different. We have to develop if we really want to be kind of as um, fully capable as we might want to be in this world we have to learn to be much more skillful about all of these things i mean the alternative is to make sure that you set up your life so that it is actually going to be very routine and very organized and that nothing much is going to change and that you don't have to change to deal with it but even that has its kind of that's a risky strategy because sooner or later somebody gets sick somebody dies somebody has an accident some you have to deal with a problem that you could never have anticipated and so our ability to recognize and respond and to make choices moment by moment rather than according to something that we've decided long ago was that this is the right way that becomes a much more important feature of how we live our lives. Interesting. I wish they would teach these, these in our schools because we would have been much better, for example, parents for the next generation. We could have been much better human beings if we have better um, emotional intelligence, you know, EQ. Totally. EQ is the new IQ. <laughs> indeed, indeed it is yeah and there's lots of good material about that uh, out there about how to develop your uh, your eq and how to understand what that might uh, involve and there's you know if if you want to be an achiever it's a really important 
thing to uh, get to know about because there's you know there's lots and lots of evidence that the stuff that people come out of that they've been filled up with in university that's a, you know the facts about kind of being a, a first class engineer or whatever actually has less impact on their future career than does their emotional intelligence i mean they discovered that in <laughs> they discovered that in bell labs uh, 40 or 50 years ago when they started to ask themselves you know why is it we've got all the brightest people intellectually that you could possibly get we're recruiting all of those from university and some of them are succeeding and then some of them are an absolute disaster and that was when they started to discover what eq really was about because it was it was all the skills that help people work together form relationships be co cooperative be collaborative be resilient when things happen all of that all of that is eq well i would love to talk about one time with you about eq how we can develop it and how we can improve it in a way i'm fascinated about this topic <laughs> but let's come back to the neediness and i want to i want to learn from you right now how i can recognize myself as a needy person I hope I'm not. So, but how I can, how I can see that I have that in me, so I can go and work on it. Well, the first thing I would say is just to encourage people just to feel what's going on in their bodies, because when you're when you're in that neediness, there's there's a kind of contraction that happens and there's possibly a sense in the pit of the stomach that i'm 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 wanting something and it's emotional it's not food <laughs> which isn't to say that people can't often try to fulfill their emotional neediness with food and that's a whole other story but you know we won't go where go there but it's actually this there's a there's an underlying tension an underlying feeling that there's something I want and I don't have it. And to notice when you're applying that to what you're looking for with the other person in your relationship. Ah, oh. interesting. And often the other person will, you know, they'll, they'll give you feedback if, if, you're, if you're needy you'll get the kind of yeah i don't want to deal with that or you'll get the the, the kind of um i don't know that you'll you'll get this you'll get this the signals people saying i i i can't handle this i don't know what you want from me i can't give you more than i'm already giving i mean there there's all sorts of phrases that will start to turn up in conversations in relationship when when you're hitting the the barriers of of what neediness will create oh then i'm not needy good <laughs> i haven't heard from this kind of kind of comment no i'm joking but um no, but it's interesting so the first i think but uh, the first thing i would suggest to the listeners is to have that awareness that okay you might come up as a needy person but, um, you know, we, we like to think ourselves this amazing human beings, but, you know, there might be an element with your partner, the combination that he or she might feel that you're very needy and that can damage the relationship. So I think the first step is to really 
ha have that awareness and understanding that this is possible in your character. And when it comes so you can communicate that with your partner and to understand his and or her needs as well. So you can balance, this word is a very important word in our conversation today, to balance your relationship in a way that you're not needing him or he's not needing you in that sense. <clears throat> Absolutely. So, and one of the things I'd like to add is for the people who aren't in a relationship right now, because one of the things you can start to notice is what is my feeling about the fact that I'm not in relationship and how am I behaving or how am I in myself when I'm out there looking to see if I can create a relationship because you can watch people come into a room and there's a there's a sense of of where where is the person who's going to to kind of satisfy me there's a sense I, I mean I remember what it was like because you know as a as a teenager and as a young adult I was very low in self-confidence around uh, around women I had lots of self-confidence in my intellect and all of that which was completely useless in terms of creating relationships and I would walk into a place where I might hope to meet somebody and I would be vibrating with that need and people feel it and if you watch how you are and how you feel about the urgency of creating a relationship you can recognize that in in yourself and you can start to deal with okay there's possibly some things i need to do for myself to make myself ready because otherwise i am sending out a signal that says don't come anywhere near this person because they're, they're not going to be safe to be around they're not going to be they, they don't have the strength i mean and particularly, I mean, if you're a man, uh, I'm not, this isn't a strongly gendered thing, but, you know, there is an expectation still, I think, certainly was when I was at, at that age, that, that a man had to actually kind of be able to stand in himself and be a man. So if you come in as a child, because your inner child is what's actually out there projecting, that's that's not an attractive signal. Ah, interesting. I like to hear that. Nice. <laughs> so so how I mean, in my opinion, yesterday when I was thinking, uh, self confidence is very important in this needy section. You have to and your self image, like how we talked in the previous uh, sessions that we had together recording that we had together, your self-image is your everything in life. Because if you don't see yourself as a very valuable human being and then you bring something on the table, then you will feel uncomfortable and you feel this neediness that this human being needs to make you whole. Otherwise, without this human being, you're nothing. You're nobody. And that's that's the extreme that's the extreme of it and of course i mean everybody has their self-doubts and that that's that's just human i mean it, again it's something we can learn 
to be less judgmental about ourselves and more accepting that, okay, this is who I am and I will meet somebody who actually wants who I am rather than the image that I might have formed of this is who I have to be in order to be attractive. I mean, lots of people do that around body image. I mean, this as, you know, uh, as a man who, who is five foot six inches, and I forget what that is in, in centimeters, I think it's 165. Um, 68. I'm on the short side, right? And so the image of kind of who's attractive is that I should, should be five or six inches taller. Well, that's what it felt like when I was, you know, 20, 21, 25, whatever. We all have these perceptions of this is what I'm supposed to be, or I'm supposed to be a thin person, or I'm supposed to be a particular shape. And all of this is a mythology, because when you look at what happens in the world, you will see people out there who have partners, who are happily having a relationship, and who they look like has nothing to do with those images. They've all succeeded in, in attracting somebody who wants to be with them. So a lot of this self-judgment is based on other people's opinions of who it is that I'm supposed to be and what kind of person I'm supposed to be. So there's what, it's one thing to have self-doubts and you know, by all means try to get rid of that, but also to be really aware of when those self-doubts are actually based on criteria which have nothing whatsoever to do with you and have no real validity in the world. They're just things which just happen to be out there and which, you know, they may be going on in somebody else's mind and you're kind of picking up on it telepathically, but it's just kind of, it's nothing to do with you. So building this internal sense of self-esteem, a lot of that just simply has to do with noticing when you have a judgment and letting letting go of it and saying oh no, no i'm not having that now then we were talking about this um john i just felt like wow in an abusive relationship the abuser wants you be needing them yeah like puts you down puts your uh, self-esteem so down yourself like crushes your self-image in a way that makes you need them because that that feeling of, oh, this person needs me. Without me, they're nothing. They're nobody. Gives them a satisfaction. A sick satisfaction, but a satisfaction. So I, I just realized that, like, a lot of these um, abusive, the, the people that they've been abused, this is the technique that they've been using, the technique of the neediness. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, you get all sorts of aspects of the, I mean, you get this kind of the victim, the perpetrator and the rescuer dynamic and that can go on. It can go on in small ways in any relationship and that's okay. But it, it certainly can become what you've just described, which is, um, which is toxic and controlling and diminishing of one human being by another and which can, you know, become so severe that you know, women have to, and they end up going into uh, into a refuge or whatever because it's actually truly unsafe. And I say women; I mean, it's that women can do that too. 
it, it is possible for women to be the abusers. Well, um, back. Whole, whole other topic. Maybe. Yes, all um, other topic, but that's, yeah, very, very interesting that this neediness is uh, very, you know, we sometimes we give in in our standards. This is key, I think. Sometimes we just settle in and we give up what we believe or we even about ourselves because we don't have the right image about ourselves and we become um, victim of our neediness and find a partner that is not proper to us. So this neediness is a very, very damaging element in us that we, I mean, everyone has to take care of in, in, in them themselves, that we really need to be aware of it, fix it, otherwise it's gonna damage any relationship we have, even in friendship. I mean, I have some friends that they're very needy, they are on my nerves, <laughs> you know, when they kind of like, I mean, obviously certain aspects of them, I love it, but cert, but I feel it, they're needy, that there's, they need more energy from me, for example, constantly. And that lots of times I run away and I look back, I'm like, this person is very lovely, lovelier than me, for example, in lots of cases. But because they, I feel that they're clingy and needy, I just want to run away, miles, miles away. That's why yeah. I don't answer so, their calls sometimes. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I think most people are, are probably familiar with with yes. those kinds of responses. And okay, that's natural. You know, we're all we're all different, and and we we just make life work uh, around that. But. Yeah, whatever people can do to to kind of recognize and work on themselves and just increase their capacity and their capability or drop the judgment about the capability they already have. You know, all of those things, that's just part of how that's how part how we develop and grow. Very nice. So any other tips? Um, so the first is to have the awareness about it awareness about it and go and fix it so you won't just, start yeah. up again more just just looking and noticing and observing uh is yes the awareness and possibly if you see you know you may have to do work in order to deal with things that are, are, are deep and there, there's lots of ways of doing that of kind of inner child work that you know things that you can do for yourself or you know working um with some you know there's plenty of self-help books around those issues and some of it is not around it, it isn't about fixing it it's about choosing a lot of it is about okay i recognize that i'm going to choose something different because the more you actively choose something different, the more the rest of that will just fall away. It will deal with it itself. So you don't necessarily have to think of yourself as kind of somebody who is in need of fixing. You possibly just have to think of yourself as somebody who needs to choose ah. and keep choosing and keep choosing until the new ways of being become much more habitual. Nice. Interesting. Also, one moment, one thing, and I'm gonna go, and we're gonna, we have to go. Uh, 
you know, lots of women. I mean, it's actually in cartoons. This is what I, when you were talking, I was just thinking for us, my generation was Cinderella, I don't know, Sleeping Beauty. We always needed this man to come wake us up or this poor woman needed this prince to come and give her the beautiful life. I mean, why, what are we teaching our woman to be needy? I mean, this is psychological. And, you know, all, right now, even in my head, I think, oh, this man will come. This prince will come and will take me and my life and will enhance my life. I mean, why am I, what am I waiting for? I don't understand. Yeah, and, and of course, as, as, a, as a man, that's an awful lot of expectation to have put on you that you're going to be a prince. I mean, Cinder, Cinderella was actually, a, you know, she, she was a really capable human being because she was the one who did all the work in the house. So, um, you know, she, 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 she she was being abused. She was a victim. Uh, and so that's a victim rescuer story. Um, yeah, all, all of these images are kind of unhelpful. There, there's, there is something about what you can find in those stories of ideally you, 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 know, you find your way out of a situation being rescued isn't necessarily the best one because you know sooner or later maybe cinderella would have had to realize i'm I'm out of here i'm going somewhere else whatever it takes because that that's the part of it which is about i'm choose something different but yeah a lot of those projections the fairy stories and and um yeah uh it's, it's not healthy, particularly for women, because it's not teaching them to stand on their on on their own two feet. And you know that's not the modern world we live in. No, we don't we don't live that way anymore. And you know, even for men as well, there is this complexity right now. Even if you show the man that you're very independent, you don't need him. Da -da -da -da, he doesn't like you. So it's like all this balance that you have to act coy, like that you need him, but clearly you don't need him, but you have to act somehow that you need him. So he feels like his ego is pumped. So, you know, oh my God, it's really difficult to be a woman. You have to put lots of shoves here. <laughs> yeah, that, so, so yeah, that, so don't do, do that. I mean, I, there's an, a really important distinction, I think, here. As a man, I would really like to be wanted. I don't want to be needed. Yes, clear. And out, 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 of, out of that space, you know, I have a choice of I can do something for somebody else or I cannot do something for somebody else. And that's a, that's a choice made in, in freedom in, and in standing in myself. So a man who is expecting you to do all of that, that's his version of low self-esteem, that he's not going to feel like he's the man in the relationship unless he's been given all that mm -hmm. stuff that you just did, which makes uh, but so, you know, I think guys watch, boys watch these cartoons as well. So their image of being a man was being this hero to come and rescue this princess or rescue Cinderella, take them and give them a good life. So even our boys in my generation have that complexity that, okay, they are the one that is rescuing the woman. And when they see a woman that is very successful and it's their own, she's very independent, for them, they're like, okay, then how can I enhance her life in a way, you know? So there's all this, uh, I think these cartoons have to 
maybe revised in a way because it's very, they are very popular. But as you said, like this age of three, four, you're like a sponge and you're trying to, or before that they're watching at two years old, one year old, I don't know what age babies are watching cartoons, but you know, they start watching it in a very young age. So they're, and they constantly play like a Cinderella, um, you know, role as a, as a roles. So it's kind of, yeah. Sad that, that, that that's true. Our children this way. It, it is, but one of the things that has been happening over the last twenty years, I think, is that the cartoons have been changing. So you get female models in, um, like the, the the way that um, the way that the way that Belle is in the Beauty and the Beast cartoon, and I'm thinking of the one that was. 15 years ago, because I'm more familiar with that one, 15, no, 20, 20 something years ago. Belle is a very strong, independent, feisty young woman. The, the girl, um, I forget her, her, her name in, in the, the Undersea Disney one. Um, yeah, well, she yeah. Also <laughs> is, she, she's, very in, she's very independent. She's very rebellious. She's, she's kind of you know, she's carving out her own, and she's really, you know, she's really annoying her father because of, of that independence. Um, so you'll see, you'll, you will definitely see different models in the last 20 years of, of cartoon creation than you would in the 1940s, 1950s Disney ones. Oh, beautiful. See, I've been far away from cartoons, <clears throat> at least close to 30 years. So... <laughs> I'm, uh, or maybe 20 something years. So, you know, my reference is very different. It's Cinderella and I don't know, stuff like that. But I'm happy that it's changing because, you know, today's conversation made me realize even the society is creating you neediness, is teaching you neediness. And it's, it's wrong. We are all capable human beings and we can create the life that we all want. We can design the life that we want. So it's all about willpower, dedication, and, you know, and just doing it. So It is. Uh, the Little Mermaid is the one I was forgetting the name of. That's the, yeah. So, so yeah, but you're, what, what you just said is absolutely right. We have, we have choice. We're independent adults and we're learning to, we're learning to grow up and, okay, all of us need help sometimes and that's okay. But as the fundamental we basis need, of... We need a therapist to open up the door for us and, you know, so we can work on our Maybe. problems <laughs> or listen to our podcast. <laughs> Marina and John, it was very lovely to talk with you today and as always and um, I'm gonna think about my character as well because it's uh, you know I'm thinking which part in my life or which part in my character I have that neediness in me and if I cannot fix it I'm sure later on in my life even if I have a accommodating partner in any or accommodating friends or accommodating I don't know parents at one point in my life will come and bite me and I need to fix it so I can become a better version of myself <laughs> yep. very good so till next week ciao bye